Okay, Visiata Dishmaya, this week, what I'd like to do is I'd like to get a little bit practical. We've spoken about, we spent the uh, last couple of weeks discussing the Choyma Indian, how bad it actually is, what it does to our Neshama, what it does to our soul, what it does to our Oilam Abba, what it does to our Oilam Azeh. What I want to discuss now, uh, this week, and Be'ezus Hashem, also maybe next week also, we'll continue a little bit of the same Indian, is we're going to try to flip the coin a little bit. And we're going to try to talk a little bit of practical ideas. Amazing Hashem, next week, go into a little bit some more practical tips as well of some of the inyonim, of some of the claims that people make. And these are the claims that are based on hearing these claims over the last few years, since giving these shiurim from various people. And I think it's important to address those claims of what people have, because I think many people, some will, you know, some will say it, some will not, some will admit, some will not, that they have these claims, they have these, you know, these tainas, but I think it's important to address them. So the very first claim that people often make is, I've got to be a pretty low person if this is what I'm busy with. If this is what I'm doing, if this is the opportunities that I take, I've got to be a pretty low person to be doing this. And the answer is, in one word, no. Absolutely not. The answer is, number one, you're not alone. And that's often a very, very important uh, way of helping people, is for them to realize that they're not alone. A lot of people think that, you know, and I've heard this claim many, many times, Rabbi, I've got it worse than anybody else. Like, well, I'm telling you, for me, it's like stronger that you can't imagine. Uh, if everybody's saying the same thing, there's obviously some common denominator between that. But the idea is basically you're not alone. This is how the Rabboni Shalom created the world. This is how the Rabboni Shalom created our bodies. And this is how it's meant to be. Not only that, it's a, it's a part of Teva, it's a part of creation, it's part of what it is. It's meant to be there, right? It's not a Bidi Evet, it's not a soul. It's a Metzias that the Rabboni Shalom put in the world, which is an important thing to realize. That when a person stumbles, and we'll talk about Be'ez HaShem, one of the most important parts is what do you do after it happens, after you stumble, after you fall. We'll talk about that as well, Be'ez HaShem, a little bit tonight, and hopefully a little bit more next week as well. The idea is the first thing a person has to know is it's normal. This is the Koyach that the Rabboni Shalom created in the world, and as powerful something is, the more damage it can do. Just like the electricity. The more electricity something causes, the more power, the more koyach it has, the more good it can do. It can light up more places. But it also has the koyach of being tremendously bad as well. And it's the same thing over here. The Rabbi Nishan put the Metzius in the world. That this is one of the biggest drives that we have, but there's a good reason. And the reason for that is to continue the world. As the Gemara Yuma tells us very clearly, the Zaya brings it down also, that the Rabbi Nishan for one point stopped the taiva in the world and the Gemara tells us what happened there wasn't even a chicken born an egg wasn't born to a chicken why? because this is a taiva that was put in the world for a purpose and it's important for a person to recognize that this is a taiva that is a natural taiva and we have to realize we have to work on it it doesn't give us an excuse it doesn't mean oh God created taiva Prasena this is how it is just do it no 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 you have to work on it it can be controlled as we'll discuss Beis Hashem try to give some ideas but the most important thing first of all and first and foremost is to realize it is a natural teva that the Rabbani Shalom put into the world not only that let's move on not only that people often think you know why do I have these tests what is the Rabbani Shalom as I mentioned right at the beginning an 18 year old boy that was pretty much off the death once said to me Rabbi what does the Rabbani Shalom want from us what is he doing to us this is, this is what he puts us in a world like this what does he expect 
And the answer is what the Ramban tells us on the Pesach in Bereshus Chavdal and Velekim Nises Avram. The Rabbani Shalom, as we know, tested Avram. Says the Ramban, what is the definition of a test? What is a test? So the Ramban says, a test is an opportunity. It's an opportunity to grow from, but you have to use that opportunity. We spoke about it in the Parsha a few weeks ago, that the idea of an opportunity, the idea of a test, is to take that test and do something with it, which is an incredible, incredible thing. A, a test raises a person up. And often a person thinks, yeah, but I have it so hard. I am harder than other people. You know what the answer is? If the Rabboni Shalonim sees opportunity, he sees potential in a person, he's going to throw a test at him. Why? Because he knows that person is worth it. Take an example, if a person is training to become an athlete, to become a basketball player, baseball, baseball player, football player, whatever it is, and the coach picks on one guy, he's constantly making him do more push-ups, running around the field a few more times, and he says, coach, this is not fair. Why me? Why do you do that to anybody else? Why do I have a harder? And the coach, I'll tell you why. Because I see more potential in you. I see if I give you those tests, you will grow, and you'll become better than everybody else. If a person feels that he's getting these tests harder and stronger than anyone else, quote-unquote, then it means the Rabbi Nishranam has a tremendous belief in him, and there's tremendous potential. He just has to bring out that potential. He has to use those opportunities that we have to grow. Tests? Yeah, they're tests. Life is full of tests. And the Mishnah says it clearly. In Perak Allah, Everything's in a sign. The question is, what are you going to do with it? This is in a sign like every other in a sign, perhaps a little bit stronger. But it's an assign that we can all grow from. If we realize it's an assign, if we realize it's a growth opportunity, it's an opportunity to become better people, higher people, then we can raise ourselves up by using these tremendous, tremendous nisoynists that we have. And that's what the Ramban explains, the Lashon of Nisoyin is. The Chavetz Chaim writes, in Ikvasa the Mashiach, the time of Mashiach, which we know from many tzaddikim, that we're almost holding there. The Chavetz Chaim writes at the time, right before Mashiach is going to come, it's going to get stronger. And we can see that in our generation, it's so easy. It's never been so easy. Right? I've always said this, that we've had, we've got an Nisoyin, then in Mitzrayim they didn't have. Where a person can have in his pocket a machine that can cause more damage than Memtesh Saritumah that were in Mitzrayim, Bishas Kalali Yisrael when they're in Mitzrayim. A person can do more on that machine in his pocket. It's the easiest thing, it's private. No one has to know about it. In the olden days, it was hard, right? You had to go to the store, no one's going to watch you. You buy something, you sneak it home. Yeah, now it's easy, it's in the pocket. And it even has a kosher symbol on it. So everyone thinks it's kosher, it's wonderful. But yet, a person has to realize that we're living in a generation where it's so, so easy. But there's a reason for that. And the Chavetz Chaim already predicted this. That right before Mashiach would come, right before the Satan would be shechted, the Rabbani Shalom is going to take the Malach HaMovetz and shechted right before. The Malach HaMovetz comes out with every trick in his book. He comes out with every trick that a person can, ah, this one's okay, and you can do this, and you, and you need it, and it's an important... Every trick, just to get a person to stumble. A person has to realize that everything is in a sayin, and he can pass this in a sayin. The Chavetz Chaim writes also the same thing. He's like, often a person says, well, listen, you know, what do you want from me? If I was born in a different generation, if I was born into a different family, if I didn't have these nisayinists, if I didn't have all these problems, I'd be a different person. I'd be a completely different person. I'd be a better person. What do you want from me? And the Chavetz Chaim says, absolutely not, it's a mistake. 
the way that you're, the place that you're standing is Kodesh, it's holy, because every person has his Nisan. Tzadik HaKoyen writes the same thing. That every person was put down to this world to rectify something. And a person has to realize what he has to rectify. Rabbi Rucham writes in Das Torah a very scary thing. A very, very scary thing. He writes that when Rivka was pregnant and she had the twins inside her, and we know the famous, the Torah tells us the story every time she walked past the Rabbi Zohar bashing to come out. Every time she walked past the shul, bashing to come out. What's going on? He's schizophrenic. What's happening over here? No, 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 it's twins. What's the pshat? Ask Rabbi Yochum and Das Torah. What, what, BMS, what's going on over here? The babies know when they go past the Rabbi Zohar, and the babies know when they go past a, a shul. They really hop what's going on. Says Rabbi Yochum, such a scary thing. He says, every person has a spiritual compass. And a compass is a magnetic force that whichever way you turn it, it always goes in the same direction. Because it's magnetical force, pulls it that way. Says Rabbi Rucham, every person has a spiritual magnetic force. And every person has to recognize in which direction is it taking you. In which direction is it taking you? If it's taking you in the wrong direction, start to work on it. And it's such an important idea. You know, the other claim that people have, which we have to talk about, which is probably the most important claim to talk about, which is going to take us this week and next week, is I've fallen so many times. What am I meant to do now? Uh, it's, it's too late for me. All right, give this shit to people when they're much younger. Halavai. But no, I've fallen already. I've, I've gone through it. It's too late for me. I can't get myself up. So the answer is, that's the words of the eight sorrow. The best thing that the eight sorrow can do is after you fell, he can get you to stay on the ground. He can get you to be continuing on the floor and you'll not be able to get up. That is what it is. The stapler has a famous letter where he writes that so many Svarim are busy with how bad it is, how bad it is, uh, what's going to happen to your Oilem what's going to be Gehenim, how hot is it? It's terrible, unbelievable. Can you imagine the Gehenim that a person is going to get? They're going to roast them up like a barbecue wing. They're going to put up the oven. Ah, it's going to be fire in there. It's going to be mummish roasting, burnt. So this type of, we need to discuss the other side. We need to discuss the other side of the coin where a person gets the reward. The Svarim HaKadoshim bring down and when a person is tempted with the sight that he shouldn't be looking at and he turns away and he says, no, I'm not doing this. Right now, he has the Eisratzen, he has the Koyach of Tvila, like the Koyen Godel standing in the Kodesh HaKadoshim. Can you imagine? There you are. You're on the street. You're on your computer. You're on your phone. You have the opportunity to press something and you say, you know what? I'm not doing it. And right then, right then, Davin. Ask from the Rabbani Shalom whatever you want. Because you have the Koyach of the Koin Godel in the Kodesh HaKadoshim. Chazal tell us, in the Sechtus of Derech Eretz, Perek Aleph, If a person sees something and he doesn't enjoy the sight, he doesn't look again. He's the Rosh. In Orchaz Chaim brings down the same idea. He says that a person can have tefillahs answered. How many people want their tefillahs answered? How many people complain that their tefillahs are not being answered? Says the Rosh, you want your tefillahs to be answered? Who doesn't want that? Right now, Rabbi Isai, says the Rosh in Orchaz Chaim, you have a tremendous scholar. Look away. That opportunity, that moment. Look away, that moment, David. Because tremendous ace rutsen that you have in Shemaim. And we can't even discuss or begin to go through the benefits of your marriage. Can you imagine? Can you imagine a person, a chosen, in the yichud room, and he walks into the yichud room, and they close the door, and his wife is there, 
And he just says, can you just hold on a minute? I just need to check my phone. I want to check the news. We've been waiting for this. This is the, this is the, this is the chasana. This is it. Privacy. Me and you. No, no, just, just a minute. Oh, it's disgusting. Can you do that? Imagine the difference of a man that looks and looks and looks and a man that stops looking. Stops his temptations, tries, and he manages to conquer them many times. What's the difference between these two men when they come home to their wives? Can you imagine one is actually excited? The other is like, it's all I've got, so I may as well take it. It's sad. It's sad. But I'm telling you this from hearing it from people, that this is the Mitzias. And Rabbi said, work on it now. Okay, when I get married, I'll figure it out. No, work on it right now. Work on it now, because this is the time that a person has to realize this is the time of challenging, and it's a time that a person has to realize this is the time when a person can work on it. You know, when Moshe Rabbeinu went up to Har Sinai, the Gemara tells us in Shabbos Peches, so he went up to, he went up to Har Sinai, went to the Malachim, he said, all right, give me the Torah. What the Malachim say? What? Rabbeinu Shalom, you're giving the Torah to human being, flesh and blood. These people do have errors. What did Moshe Rabbeinu say? Moshe Rabbeinu said, one second, Mr. Malachim, do you guys have parents that you have to mechabed them, kibber of aim? No. Do you do business that you have to be kept? You have none of these things, it's not a gift to you, and give it to us. Essentially, what was he saying? This is such an incredible idea. The difference between a Malach and an Odom is that a Malach is perfect. He doesn't fall. An Odom falls. And therefore, we need the Torah. The Torah is not for Malachim. The Torah is for a human being. And therefore, when we fall, we should realize the Torah was for us. The Torah was for an Odom, for a human being that falls. It's part of the process. It's part of the process of falling. It's part of everything. The Gemara in Baba Kama tells us, what happens if you have a guy holding a glass dish? He's walking along the road and he falls down. Comes along the side and the guy behind him. He doesn't see the first guy. He falls on the first guy and smashes the glass. Who's high to pay? Guy number one or guy number two? But the Gemara goes through the shadow, which we're not going into at this moment of time. But I've got upon him, Daloch is guy number two. You know why? Guy number two. The guy, I'm sorry, guy number one. Why does guy number one have to pay? Very simple. The Gemara says he should have gotten up and he didn't. My boy said that is the biggest lesson for us. Fall, we're going to fall. Life is full of challenges. But what we have to realize is to get up afterwards. It's after we've gone through those falling after we've gone through the situation where we did whatever we did, not that it's excusable for one moment, but when it happened, the Yitzhah's best option right now, stay on the ground. You think God wants to hear you davening? <laughs> you think God wants you to put on the right now? You think he cares if you daven a mincha right now? After, after that, you're going to daven Marv? After that, you're going to daven Marv? Seriously? It's disgusting. How can you The answer is that's what the Yitzhah wants you to do. He wants you to stay on the ground. You know, we see that from Moshe Rabbeinu. In the parishes that we're reading, Shavuvim, Parsha, Shemois, Va'era, Boi, B'Shalach, we see this. Moshe Rabbeinu comes. He comes to power the rule of the world and he expects. He's coming to shame the God of Israel. The Jewish God. And he says, let the people go. Nothing to talk about. This power is not even interested. Who are you? What are you doing over here? It, it fails. Okay, next trick. He takes the stick, throws it down. Snake, look. Look at me. <laughs> Get out of here. My guys can do the same thing. It fails and fails. Moshe Rabbeinu, give up. But Moshe Rabbeinu understood. Moshe Rabbeinu understood that if you give up, you'll never get anywhere. And eventually, Moshe Rabbeinu was Matzliach. And that is the story of our lives. The story of our lives is, yes, sometimes we will fall. But we have to realize that the only way that a person can be successful is through the challenges. I want to read to you a part of a letter that Rav wrote. 
He wrote a letter to a Talmud. It's one of the most powerful letters. It's an incredible letter. And he wrote to a Talmud who was writing to the Rebbe of Hutna, Pachad Yitzchak. Rebbe, what do I do? I keep on falling. The HR keeps on getting me. There's no way I'm going to succeed. And Rebbe Hutna writes the following. I'm going to read you the English translation. And Rebbe Hutna says that a falling, many of us suffer, is when we focus on the high attainments of great people. We discuss how complete they are in this or that area while omitting mention of their inner struggles that they had previously raged within them. A listener would get the impression that these individuals sprang from the hand of their creator in a state of perfection. The result of this feeling is that when an ambitious young man of spirit and enthusiasm meets obstacles, falls and slumps, he imagines himself as an unworthy of being planted in the house of God. Know, however, my dear friend, that your soul is rooted not in the tranquility of good inclination, but in the battle of of the good inclination. The English expression, lose the battle and win the war, applies. Yes, certainly you've stumbled and will stumble again. And in many battles you'll fall. I promise you that after those long campaigns, you will emerge from the war with your victory on your head. Says Rav Hutner, and he's pointing out that greatness cannot be achieved without failure. And that's too many times for people to realize and get that lesson. They think, well, I failed. I've looked already. It's too late for me. And the answer is no. Every failure is an opportunity for success. That's what Rufutner is telling us. He's telling us that that's what life is. It's all about the obstacles. We try and we keep on trying. And eventually we'll get there. But we have to realize that that's what life is. And that's what the Rebunshim is doing specifically to us in order to raise us up. And I want to end tonight's session with the famous letter that I read every single year and we already read on Hanukkah and I think it's Kedai and like I said then on Hanukkah if you heard it already hear it again and if you didn't hear it then listen very carefully but even if you did hear it even from last year we need to chazor on this letter this is the most, one of the most powerful I don't think I've ever read a more powerful letter especially as I have one of the copy from the original letter because I know the person who received the letter and the letter reads like this and again if you've heard it just listen again apply it Dearest, you're probably shocked to get this letter from me. Three years passed since I've seen you last. You didn't think you'd ever get a letter from me. Though I'm sure you remember who I am. I liked you a lot as a person, but I never accepted what, like, what you told us. I always thought of you as a religious fanatic. You're always so nice to me. We got along so well, but I just never wanted to hear about religion. I could still see your hurt face when you walked into the bunkhouse and saw me reading a magazine that was not for a bus stroll. I don't know if you remember, you sat on my bed, held my hand tightly, and looked at me. You didn't say anything, anything, but you looked sad and held my hand. Things have changed a lot since then. Yes, I'm writing to you now, and I'm still lying in bed in the same position as you left me three years ago. My hands are still stretched forward, and I want you to hold it tight again. This time I want you to look at me with a happy face. I want you to be proud of me. I just went through a terrible accident. I'm lying here in bed forever. I'm paralyzed on the right side of my body. I can't move. I can't talk so well, but my hand can still write, and it's this hand I stretch out to you. The doctors say my case is a lost case, no recovery. But I think this was the accident that was the biggest recovery in my life. I'm not sad anymore. I learned a lesson. It was the hard way, but I learned. I lie here motionless, and I think about all those days that I was able to laugh, to talk, to run and sing and dance, play, pray, do mitzvahs, help people, and thank Hashem for everything, every single movement that He gave me. But I lie here and cry as I think of what I did with all those happy days. I dirtied my ears. I ruined my eyes. I looked to listen to pictures, music, books, and movies that I shouldn't have. My mouth, the most precious tool that Hashem gave us, I used for words, Curses and songs 
that should not enter Abbas Yisrael's mouth. I still see your sad look in front of my face. I still see you sitting on my bed. I still see your tears rolling down. And I see the disappointment. But how could emotionless mouth fix all the words that it said? How could it daven all the beautiful tefillahs? How could it make up for all those years that went to waste? How could a dead body correct all the precious time that was used to ruin my neshama? There's no recovery, the doctors say, but my neshama is shouting, I feel it, I feel it pounding. There must be a way to fix everything. It was last night that I found the way and therefore I pushed myself to write this letter. I want you to tell people my story. I want them to know. I don't want them to miss the boat. Tell them, please tell them, that as long as they can move and sing and dance and run and talk and listen and laugh, let them use it in the right manner. Don't waste time. Sing and thank Hashem for all that He gave you. Use every moment that you have to clean your neshama. Help others. Yes, I know that there are people out there who think they are cool and in. And they talk about singers, films, etc. with the greatest admiration I know. Because I was once one of those cool people. I'm lying now in my bed. My body is stiff and very cool. And I want all people out there to get the message. That is my only recovery. I want them to take the most wonderful body that Hashem gave us. And return it as a polished diamond. We'll continue next week.